Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. Today's topic is transformative executive coaching and strategic holistic leadership. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and the CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. Our work includes assisting leaders in identifying disruptive trends and developing strategies to transform themselves and their organizations to thrive now and in the future. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted that our guest today is Antoinette Brax. Antoinette is renowned for coaching others to transcend the turmoil, trust emergence, and transform their world to become more inspiring, strategic, visionary leaders. She's a master executive coach, strategic facilitator, and leadership consultant who brings deep insight and global business perspective to her transformative work with C-suite leaders, executive teams, and whole organizations to realize amazingly swift transformational outcomes. Antoinette has coached more than 250 strategic leaders over 300 hours. She's a thought leader in stage leadership development and has a proven track record of enabling strategic leadership to accomplish very rapid shifts in vertical leadership transformation and business outcomes. So during the conversation, we're going to talk about what uh, for those who aren't aware of the terms vertical leadership transformation, we'll talk a little bit about that. So in our session today, the world's becoming increasingly complex, disruptive, and interconnected. And as we're watching the COVID-19 virus spread across the world, it has never been more clear the amount of interconnectedness and also disruption that happens in just one uh, quarter of a year. So we need later stage leadership capacity to transcend the turmoil and lead others in, in transformative efforts to create a new sustainable society, economy, and planet. This requires vertical learning to later stages of development, especially to a stage called strategist or synergist, where there are less than 10% of executive leaders. Vertical learning takes the lid off the growth potential and also our ability to perform and thrive. So Antoinette, before we jump in, do you want to uh, tell our listeners anything more about yourself? Oh, not at all. I thought that was far too much, Maureen. <laughs> but it's, lovely. it's lovely to be here. Um, and yeah, it's, it's as a practitioner, I'm speaking with you all today and I'm delighted to be here. So thank you. So before the end of the show, we're going to talk about Antoinette's new book, which I think is groundbreaking in the space of leadership development and organizational transformation coming together. But first, 
for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with the term vertical development or why it's so important, can you ground us a little bit in the term strategist and vertical development? For sure, for sure. I think um, vertical development, we've got to understand it as different levels of conscious perception and perspective. So it's standing from a higher mountaintop to see more and see more subtlety. Um, It's also seeing much deeper within yourself and over time and generations and civilizations. So you can see patterns and themes that others don't. Um, So it's our level, level of perception and of perspective and of appreciating how life actually is and how it unfolds. And so why does this matter? Because I'm imagining, again, in the context of the pandemic, where people are incredibly tactically focused on what's my next small step to keep us in business, to pay the rent, uh, on our buildings, to keep our people employed, why does inner awareness matter at this point? Yeah, look, I think you make a great question there. I can see even governments as well, you know, and businesses are t- taking one step at a time in a system and in a well, in a disruption which is unpredictable and volatile and nobody knows what's going to happen next or how long it's going to last. And that's precisely the problem because unless we can actually transform from a systemic point of view what's going on, so transform the foundations of the economy, for instance, of the health system, of the, you know, the value chains of how society works digitally and work home balance all these things are so interconnected and are being implicated now through the pandemic so we really need leaders to step up and oversee and regenerate a new vision for how society and the economy can operate post the pandemic so taking a systemic view so that i see first order second order third order implications for the broader society, especially if I'm in a uh, either global firm or in a governing role where I am interacting and influencing the larger system significantly. Mm. And even if we're running a small business, you know, as opposed to, for instance, like a whole country, even those business decision makers are making decisions either on the basis of let my business profits be the number one priority or can everyone I'm affecting, how can I optimize and create mutually beneficial outcomes for everyone involved, customers, employees, stakeholders, you know, and the business support that as opposed to everyone bow to the business and may the profits be sustained, for instance. So that's a big trade-off between an achiever, who's our conventional leader and the majority of leaders in the world, and a synergist who will look at transforming to optimize despite the disruption. Okay, so that's a foundational distinction, optimizing for profits versus optimizing for the broader stakeholder group and both short and long term. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the banks come into play here, too, you know, because um, the banks, we had the GFC, we all know, a few years back and nothing really changed. And this time, too, we're going to need financial resources to get our way, make our way through the pandemic. And again, are the banks going to be held to account for the credit and lending practices and the way the economy is fueled through credit? Because this is where people who are living from paycheck to paycheck, you know, have very few resources to draw on. I've just taken the conversation out a little bit further. Sorry. Oh, no, I I think it's helpful to consider 
the context in which we're having the conversation, because mm. often the, these conversations about disruption are more conceptual or theoretical. We, we have artificial intelligence and, and all of those things are real. Mm. And this seems very concrete and present. So we're no longer talking theoretical. We're talking about things that any listener uh, is touched by. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and I think for, from a crisis point of view, everyone needs to make individual decisions to steady their own boat, if you like. Um, and I think that that's, that's important for everyone. But for people who are in significant leadership positions, um, it's an opportunity to reset the way our society operates. And for that, we need synergistic leaders. So who just make up 10% of the executive population at the moment, for instance, which is far too few. <laughs> so I'm going to throw a couple of things out that come from your paper in the Integral Leadership Review. And again, just trying to um, create a conversation for our listeners who may be a little less exposed. And so... The achiever, one, the, the vertical development looks at the series of stages we go through as leaders. Um, and it is, uh, I, you could liken it to the escalator of growth that I, I get on one level. And if I am doing the work different than an escalator, maybe it's climbing upstairs at each level, I can see further and more complexity mm-hmm. so there is a process that we develop through and one of the reasons for understanding my insides, uh, my motivations and and uh, being more self-aware during this point in time is that it is those blind spots that can often cause me to uh, make, in some cases, fairly dire errors. And it is only through the inner awareness and cleaning up the blind spots that I can behave as a leader in a way that is less impacted by the things that have happened in all of our pasts that color our view. Is is that an accurate and please correct or elaborate on the statement? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a really lovely way of putting it. Um, the the level of achiever at, in terms of the conventional leader hasn't yet done that inner work that you're talking about. That starts at the next stage that I call catalyst and that then gets consolidated at synergist. And if we do that work that you're talking about from the inside out in terms of all those blind spots, shadow areas um, that we need to look at and look into quite deeply to integrate our holistic self, then we can operate on the world and transform it from the outside in. But we actually can't do that transformational work from the outside on the world until we've actually done the integration work on ourselves. And so all of us have these blind spots, right, that mm-hmm. that can in some cases significantly, probably for all of us, there are bits that are significantly impacted by the blind spots. Yeah. Yeah, they create all the emotional triggers, self-sabotage, put us into jeopardy, make us make suboptimal decisions um, and, you know, and regress even to Mm -hmm. to situations where we we can't cope anymore. So, and yet all of these things are completely um, 
healable. We can look at them through the psychodynamics lens, look at our earlier history and heal the stuff, not just regulate our emotions, mm-hmm. actually bring our emotions out and review and look at them and hold them and then heal and integrate ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's the journey that ultimately leads to being able to transform our world. It's synergist. So let me give a, a concrete and fairly simple example. Many people suffer from imposter syndrome. And if I feel like an imposter, I am not going to step in as fully as I can, given my skills and abilities, because I'm afraid that I will be discovered as an imposter. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that I have had these issues mm-hmm. and probably still do, but to a much smaller degree. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm in a a position where I need to make a radical decision, if I am afraid, not the normal afraid, of course, things I decide are going to impact people, but if I'm afraid for my reputation and all of that stuff, I am less likely to take the big decision that is required Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be discovered as an imposter by cleaning that up, that fear And like you said, it's not just finding a coping mechanism where I do some deep breathing. That's also helpful, but this is actually erasing part of the fear. It just, it is, it's metabolized for lack of a better word. Mm, That's right. That's right. So that we're risk-free actually, the the risk is no longer within us in terms of how we might be perceived by others. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. not ourselves at risk anymore because we've actually healed ourselves and we're whole. Um, and if you know we carry around that, that imposter syndrome, as you say, then we're more concerned about what people will think of us, and how we'll be, um, you know, what the, yeah, how we look to the outside world, as opposed to what we are being. And then the only risk is the real risk, which is if I make a decision that impacts people, uh, there will be consequences on every side. But it's a very different experience than a personal. I'm afraid to take a decision. Yes, yes. Because I mean, I'm, I'm not quite sure where you're heading here exactly, but all decisions obviously have consequences. Mm-hmm. But what we all protect, you know, in organisations, there's a lot of um, protection and mutual protection of each mm-hmm. other, um, as opposed to what I would call more visionary leadership of going mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, and perhaps I know political leaders are good examples. But if we look at how Angela Merkel has been leading Europe for decades, she would definitely be at that level of synergist, someone who is really looking after the whole um, without any sense of having to cover or protect herself. Beautiful example. So, and, and the reason I wanted to go into that depth is for many of our listeners, Vertical leadership is a new or relatively new concept. So trying to paint the picture of, especially right now, do I invest the time to grow myself when I'm trying to stay alive? And and I realize there's a balancing act for all of us and we decide our timing, but trying to make the case that it is important. So the next question then is, is it accessible to everyone? And yes, my answer is absolutely yes. And in fact, I think at the moment, society and organisations have inhibited growth. So I think there's so much latent potential sitting there. It's almost like, um, you know, there's there's a lid on our growth at the moment through conventional operating systems and conventional economic paradigms. And all we need to do is take the lid off, have a good look at ourselves and see how the world really is. And we will grow vertically relatively quickly. Um, at least that's what I found to be the case. You know, as soon as you have someone who's 
done the journey, is at the later stage, it can guide you through, know how to take you there, um, you, you, you can move quite quickly. And so I think that's an incredibly important distinction as well. It, you're not recommending just going out, looking through the yellow pages and finding a coach. No, no, I wouldn't. And in fact, I think um, <laughs> I think the coach, I think it's important for coaches, um, and coaches are really getting um, interested in vertical development now. But if you're a client looking for a coach, inquire into their vertical development because otherwise, it's the blind leading the blind, really. And uh, development mm-hmm. of coach just won't take you vertically to synergist. It's just insufficient. And so we have about one minute left in this segment, and I think it's important to point out there are tools to measure vertical development. If you're working with someone and you ask them where they test vertically, I would ask them what assessment they've used and how do they test, not just, oh, I read a book and I decided I'm a synergist. Can you build on that in the next 30 seconds and then we'll come back and, and delve more into the topic? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, in 30 seconds, there are a number of vertical assessments available in the world. Um, There's the MAP, the Global Leadership Profile, the Stages International with Terry O'Fallon, which um, includes some breakthrough research on the stages. Um, It's important to choose any one of those and undertake an objective um, vertical development test because that in of itself will be vertically developmental for you. Beautiful. And again, I I make the point only because I've heard people declare that they're a certain level and on observation, they are nowhere near. So if you are, um, Antoinette's point was working with someone who is already at one of these later stages makes a big impact on one's ability to to get there, working with someone who is not at a later stage, it could in fact cause regression, not development. So on that note, we're going to go on break. And I encourage our listeners as we're on break to think about who you may know who would test at a later stage, someone like an Angela Merkel that you would follow and respect. Uh, Another one would probably be Colin Powell. who can you think of in your sphere who has those abilities? And is that something that you would value either working for or building within yourself? We'll be right back. You're with Maureen Metcalf and Antoinette Brack, and we're talking about transformative executive coaching in strategic holistic leadership. future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday on Voice America Business. 
The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I am delighted to have with us Antoinette Brax, and we're talking about transformative executive coaching in strategic holistic leadership. Before the break, we were talking about vertical development being accessible to everyone. Now we're going to talk about how do we actually move people through these developmental stages. And we're going to talk about Antoinette's um, extensive research and the foundation for her uh, short paper in the uh, Integral Leadership Review and also her upcoming book. So, Antoinette, I understand that all of the divisional leaders in your research or executive leaders shifted a full stage in their leadership capacity, and some shifted two stages in just over a year of coaching. And for our listeners, we've said in the past that typically a shift takes two to six years if one is working actively to grow. So so this finding is groundbreaking in, in our field of vertical development. How did, uh, how did this happen? And yeah. how did you do it? 
What yeah. did you do? <laughs> it's really interesting, isn't it? Because the norm is about five years to move a stage. That's how it's been seen for quite some time. Um, I've been coaching explicitly in vertical development for about 10 years. So I think my explicit intention to it and how my coaching has evolved over that time brought brought about this sort of outcome. Um, the the people did realize a full stage, every single one of them, and everyone wasn't, you know, they weren't chosen as people with high potential or anything special about or significant about them. They were simply divisional leaders with significant responsibilities who wanted to embrace their vertical development. And they all started out as conventional achievers with, um, I think it was an average of um, 88%, I know it was an average of 88% of their profile at up to an achiever. So to move to that next stage of moving to Catalyst and Synergist was a big ask. And the last thing I expected was that everybody would make a whole stage shift and some too. So it was pretty awesome. Um, I think as a coach, I, I don't um, comply with developmental coaching approaches. I think I took coaching to a different level. Um, do you want me to expand on that? I, I do, yes. Be uh, well, and explain to our listeners again, uh, most are not trained coaches. So what is the distinction between traditional coaching, developmental coaching, and what you do? And again, for anyone who is either interested in moving into doing this work or working with someone doing this work, I think it's important for them to understand the nuance that that often people don't care about they don't know they're supposed to care about but that nuance significantly drives the outcome for for the people you have coached yeah yeah absolutely so let's just say this performance coaching which everybody be familiar with in terms of achieving goals and grow would be your key model there and over the last 10 years or so developmental coaching has come in on its own it's asking open questions it's focusing on authentic leadership values aspirations all that sort of thing um, and having based on developmental goals transformative coaching um, is another generation of coaching, and Reinhard Stouter calls it their generation coaching. And for me, it's it's both it's it's number one, it's leading questions and sharing insights. So it's actually bringing the coach's presence and their later stage presence into the co coaching conversation, so it has a much bigger influence and impact. So I think that was one of the key distinguishing features. And so that is different from traditional coaching in what way? And traditional coaching, which I would describe as developmental coaching today, is it asks leading questions, not open questions, or not, not always open questions. So as opposed to saying to a client, well, where, where are you coming from about that? The coach might say, well, have you thought about this and actually outline a psychodynamic in terms of a pattern? So you're shortcutting the understanding of what's going on at the same time bringing a later stage perspective to it in terms of themes and patterns so suddenly the mind of the coachee is stretched beyond anything they've considered before and they walk away and think, hey that was interesting and so, you are sharing your perspective right where a traditional coaching arrangement the coach doesn't necessarily share their observations as completely Absolutely. And in fact, coaches in the developmental coaching sort of frame are advised not to, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's 
They, they do training to ensure that they avoid bringing themselves into the coaching room, whereas the presence of a later stage coach, they don't bring themselves into the room, but they bring their perspective into the room and their heart to create that expansive space, which enables much greater depth and breadth to arise in the coaching conversation. And you're so to your point, you're bringing in observations and perspectives, not saying this is what I would do. No, not at all. You're not telling anyone what to do. But this is where I also um, am, am both a coach and a mentor. I think there are two other distinguishing features um, in the coaching. One is it's very holistic. So it's, it is upfront and personal and both aspirational self as well as deep into shadow work. So a lot of coaches don't touch shadow work, whereas mm -hmm. shadow and psychodynamics are important in terms of what you said earlier about all those blind spots and self-sabotaging behaviours. If we don't go into shadow, we can't clean them up. So that was really important, as well as the reach for aspirations. And then also a lot of coaches don't do any organisational development or strategic work on the organisation itself that the person is leading, whereas we offer these proven frameworks that enable the organisation to lift up as well. Um, and that's zero career risk for the executive. And again, it starts to bridge coaching and consulting and coaching and mentoring. It, and you said you have an organizational, an, an OD or an executive background as well, right? Yes, yes, both. Yes, leading um, people in culture and transforming organizations using OD and yeah, all sorts of leadership development. So my background sort of was very well um, rounded, I suppose, to enable this quantum shift to synergist. Um, and, and so you also have a fairly unique background, that, that um, many people coming out of undergraduate school who want to be an executive coach, that's not what you're looking for. Yeah, that should be intuitively that, obvious, but Yeah, still. no, but you're right. That's not what they have. And, and coaching schools don't teach organizational development, and they don't actually even teach transformative coaching. They teach developmental coaching. So to realize the leadership potential of executives, we our current um, leadership programs and much of our coaching capacity is also insufficient. Um, it's good, it adds great value, but it's not going to create the sort of who can transform our current crises. Um, they've only been growing at the rate of, you know, 1% in the, each of the last two decades. And yet when I worked with these clients, they all shifted a whole stage of one year and half of them went on to be synergists a few years later. So I think... It's what we're offering in terms of the developmental guidance or transformative guidance that we can shift to as much as we want need leaders to shift to synergist. You know? So I hear several different things. One, it is helpful for leaders to even understand that there are stages or levels and that successive levels are more effective and demonstrated so over decades of research. So I no longer look to a Jack Welsh or a Bill Gates or whomever and say, I want to be that. But there is a concrete framework that we can test for because I can't test to make sure I'm going to become Bill Gates because mm -hmm. I won't. Uh, so one, that there is a framework. It is developmental in nature. People go along um, 
a predictable set of steps. Now, given that we're all humans, there there are massive variations, uh, unlike building cars, that the coaching is the difference between developmental or traditional coaching and this transformational coaching, the role of the coach is actually different with the kinds of questions they ask and the roles they play where where you play the role of both coach and mentor. So being more practical in offering observations and and your own perspectives. And I'm assuming some how-tos also Mm -hmm. when clients, there's something they don't know. So Mm -hmm. in traditional coaching, we don't tell people how to in your transformational coaching, you actually do, right, in some cases? Absolutely. Lots of strategic frameworks and processes and techniques. All this is how you can do this and actually doing it on the spot and helping an executive do it in situ in the coaching session. So, for instance, how they might lead a values engagement in their organization or a strategic aspirational agenda setting engagement. So actually taking them through and showing them how because we want to reduce the career risk for them when they do go out there and practice Mm -hmm. Um, this transformational work. Um, So, yes. And so I'm going to now mention the the importance of frameworks, that we teach frameworks not so you can memorize frameworks, but so that you can continually repeat a process, not by having memorized, but understanding how to deploy the framework. And uh, as Antoinette said, practicing that in the coaching sessions. What do you want to add to that? Um, I don't. I think that was a really good summary. I think I think one of the things I've been wanting to add that's a little bit outside of what you just said, but it's the fact that we we have so many leadership programs that take people off site, whereas coaching is in situ. So this is the wonderful thing. If we don't offer the people, the executives, frameworks to apply, um, they, they can't implement the benefits of the coaching really. And then that leads into the third of the distinctions is you coach the individual to transform themselves and their organizations concurrently. It, it's not, I to your point, go off and get coached and then go back to the same place. But as the leader, you are helping them also implement the changes in the organization. Yes. And at a transformational level, so it actually the organization evolves and everyone gets lifted. So not only does the coachee lift a one or two stages, but their people then also lift and their culture lifts and their strategic outcomes are at a different level. So um, we're lifting the whole shebang, if you like, just through eight coaching sessions in one year. I mean, it really wasn't. It, the outcome was quite amazing, but the investment is is not that high. So eight sessions doesn't seem like a lot. Does the organization have a certain contract with you about how this how the engagements will work? Hmm. Not really. Um. I think now in a, in contracting with organisations, there's definitely more transparency around what stage shift coaching is all about. Okay. But I think in the earlier days, it was very much let's have the intention of shifting to synergist and let's see what we do. And it was very client-centric. You know, there wasn't a program that was rolled out. It was simply let's respond to the client with whatever 
for them in such a way to work with that, resolve it at source, and shift them forward to enable that growth to continue. So it was still very coachee-centric, um, and yet similar strategies were invoked all the way through with the different people in the research study. Okay. And all of them were open to both individual and organizational shifts. Yes. Well, and they weren't asked, you know. It was like, would you like to become a synergist and transform your world? Yes, that's what I want to do. I said, okay, this is what you signed up for. So um, I think there's a lot of directness in in the invitation that I I offer. Um, I explicitly do this work so clients who aren't so interested in this work don't find me attractive as a coach, whereas those that do, do, obviously. And so I think that's important as well, that as we are thinking about selecting a coach or becoming this kind of coach, that there are a lot of clients who will find this incredibly attractive, but there are equally clients for whom this is not a right fit. Um, Yes. Um, And I'd say the clients for whom it is not a right fit, perhaps there's just some, you know, they're only just becoming achievers. But if they've been a mature achiever through their 30s and, you know, they're they're over the age of 40, then they're definitely right. Um, So, you know, and once a fruit, for instance, falls off the tree and goes rotten, right? So, um, and that's where midlife crises and things come into play. So I think there's an actual demand in terms of the world and how it's evolving at the moment that more of us step up. Um, so I would I would hesitate to, uh, to suggest to executives that they might not be ready. I would suggest that step up and take, you know, check it out. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned age. And yet development, while age is a factor, is is certainly not the only factor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think intention is the biggest factor. Okay. Um, I just wanted to make sure listeners are not hearing this isn't gonna work for me because I'm too young. Yeah. No, I've had also had clients in their 30s for synergist. Now, vertical development up to achiever is really brilliant in your 20s. That's exactly when you want to become an achiever. So it's moving on beyond there and going through the stages sequentially. That's really important. Beautiful. Thank you. I'm glad we got that point that this is for everyone. It's just what stage I'm performing at will be different at different points in my career. So we are going to go back on break. You are with Antoinette Brax and Maureen Metcalf, and we are talking about vertical development and transformative executive coaching in strategic holistic leadership. We've been talking about what does the process look like to move people through the developmental levels and how might that be different than traditional coaching when we come back we're going to talk about overcoming barriers to being a higher level leader the future of online tv is here View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday on Voice America Business. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Antoinette Brax, and we're talking about how to move leaders through the developmental levels or vertical development specifically so they can respond to the kind of challenges that we are seeing front and center in our lives right now. During the first segment, we talked about what was vertical development. Second segment, we talked about how to move people through the levels. And now we're going to talk about overcoming barriers to being a later stage leader. So Antoinette, what would you suggest that people do to ignite their vertical journey to the later stages? I think the biggest thing they can do to ignite the journey 
is to set up an aspirational sense of who they wish to become um, and to actually articulate and define it and really reach for these higher aspirations. So forget about development goals per se in terms of what you need to get from here to there, but just think about this type of person you'd actually aspire to be. That might include qualities they admire in others or, um, you know, just putting a few words together to become an inspiring visionary leader. Um, maybe it relates to their purpose as well in terms of how they personally would like to leave the world a better place. So they become really sort of instrumental in their own life and create more purpose and meaning in their life. That sort of reflection really ignites vertical development um, to synergist. Okay, so so it is more than a traditional goal statement and more of a life purpose and impact I want to make in the world. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So after I do that, what's the next step? And I'm kind of looking at your paper in the Integral Leadership Review where you have a series of eight set, eight steps. Yeah. So I have eight drivers that I've discovered uh, made the biggest difference to enabling vertical development to synergist. Um, four are holistic and four were strategic. And two of each were from the inside out and outside in, so doing those simultaneously. Um, I think it's probably a bit complex to go through the different drivers, but what I'd like to suggest to everybody in terms of really starting to get a grip of how I can help to navigate this for myself is to realize that life and self are completely interconnected. So life happens through us, not just to us. Um, who we are being every day is how life is showing up to us. And life is almost like a learning school for us to cultivate our evolutionary self. And when we start to look at life this way and think, okay, I'm criticizing that person for being unfair to me or deprecating of others, and I'm emotionally sort of annoyed about it. Um, well, that means that same criticism is within us. So everything that we see and experience in the external world is actually something within ourselves. So if we can use that to then say, okay, well, how am I being critical or disparaging of others and clean up our own act, then we can start to foster our own aspirational self. Great. And then there are parallels in the organizational side. So I have my own evolutionary personal aspirations, and then we have a corporate shared aspirations. Because you talk about my individual mapping to the organizational piece. Absolutely. And the organizational is just as important because it's in that, that's the fire in which we forge ourselves. Um, we can't just do this work on our own through awareness and reflection. We actually have to do it through application and engagement with others as well um, to, to um, realize this particular vertical pathway. So the strategic intent for the organization, the shared values, shared purpose, shared outcomes, strategic shifts in performance and culture, it, it's quite, I mean, I call it strategic scaffolding, actually. It's a different layer of scaffolding on top of an organization that lifts up and widens and expands the playing field, the arena in which we play, so that we can generate greater outcomes that benefit more people and more stakeholders and you know, the environment itself as well. So that organisational stuff also comes definitely into play. Um, 
And there's something I call a dynamic operating rhythm, which also orchestrates engagement. So, you know, in most organizations, people have meetings that tend to run their lives. Um, and we're very reactive to those meetings. We sort of have to attend them when we need to, and we get told here, and, and they get shifted because of the hierarchy, hierarchical pecking order. I mean, if your boss wants a new meeting somewhere, you have to shift everything that you're accountable for. So getting away from all of that and turning your life into a really highly productive, highly creative flow, that can also really start to shift um, your productivity, your creativity, the organization's capacity to perform and deliver and synergize with each other and create amazing outcomes. Now, and now the time flow piece, because that sounds like nirvana to me, <laughs> you have actually processes to make that happen. So this isn't some aspirational, you should do this. There are actually calendaring approaches you use mm -hmm. to help people move to this space, right? Absolutely. You know, and it incorporates neuroscience, brain waves, everything we know about learning and application of the mind. Um, and it's very pragmatic as well because, you know, I've lived, I've lived in organizations for 20 years. Um, so it works. It's very pragmatic, but it's also very research-based. Mm -hmm. um, it's just amazing. I mean, I've doubled my productivity as a result of using this, like more than doubled. It's, 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 your mind actually becomes ready before you appear at a meeting because there's a consistency and repetition and iterative nature to what you're doing. So it's amazing how powerful our minds are that we're only just tapping into. And so part of that is intention, uh, yes? Yes, and rhythm, intention and rhythm, um, and repetition, um, and alpha brain waves, and yeah, a few other things. <laughs> yeah, probably too much to go into now, but can you pick one of those that you can talk about in a minute or two so our participants can have a more concrete sense of something that sounds fairly conceptual? Yes. I mean, I can say very specifically, um, it's a bit like driving home from you know, driving home from work. We don't drive home from work because we work from home. But we used to drive home from work. And um, because it's an autopilot, it's a route we've done many times, we don't use our conscious energy to navigate our way home. Whereas at work, when we have a different schedule every week, every month, every day even, um, and there's no repetition or familiarity. It's completely unpredictable and volatile even. We lose, we spend, I should say, so much conscious energy just navigating our diaries, our schedules, that we're, we're halfway sunk already in terms of our capacity to use our conscious energy to do other things, to be creative and productive. So changing that, turning the tables on that and creating an entirely new systemic effort around the orchestration of your time um, just makes a huge, huge, huge difference. And it's how a synergist would operate. <laughs> okay. And you said for you personally, this has made a dramatic difference. It has. It has. I mean, I remember one assessment um, development, leadership development center I was part of, and we were working very, very hard and it was very intense work. And most of us were working till about 10 o'clock at night, just on a daily basis, getting through it. And I thought, heck, I've got to change this. And so I, I re reprogrammed my mind. I put it all together from a, in the way I 
I approach these things. And to be honest, it was just amazing. After a period of just two days, I was on autopilot through the course of the day. I finished by eight o'clock each night. I had time for a cup of tea in the day. People couldn't believe it, but my mind was ready with the work without conscious effort because of applying the principles I'd learned over a period of time. Um, it was quite amazing. And I went away for a holiday in between and came back and I thought, I wonder how the mind will do now. And it was just as good. It's like the mind remembers. The mind is an extraordinary instrument um, that we can use to, with great power. Provided, of course, and this goes back to the shadow work, that the mind is calm and clear and clean. It can't do any of that stuff when it's cluttered with lots of voices demanding attention from the past, self-sabotaging, jeopardizing ourselves and who we are. All those voices get cleared out with the shadow work, and that's what enables us to have such a clear mind to do much bigger creative synergistic work in the future. And so this is, again, that balance of what I do inside, so the, the self-awareness and the reflection being foundational and that clears my mind so that the work I do in the organization, practically applied, also changes. Yeah, that's right. And I think the funny thing about with the with the coaching is I was working with clients simultaneously. So they were both doing the shadow cleanup work and then orchestrating their time. So that's where I think the acceleration of the stage shift came into play um, because the, we were forging the inner, inside out and the outside in simultaneously. And the two must have um, you know, worked together to exponentially accelerate that learning journey. Which makes sense. To your point, I can change my calendaring process, but if my mind is still cluttered, what happens on autopilot may not be very effective. That's right. Yeah. If, if my car's navigating system is broken, it's going to run over things. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the GPS isn't going to work. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting in the era of self-driving cars. Yes, 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 they have to have very clean minds. <laughs> so we have about four minutes to close. Is there anything you want to say to wrap this up before we we talk about how listeners can reach you? Um, I'd just like to encourage everyone who's listening to invest in themselves. This is a new age. We're moving into the digital era. We've got a crisis going on at the moment that we need more and more people stepping up, and everyone has the latent capacity to do so. We haven't always had the methodologies to enable you to you know, move so quickly, but nevertheless, Invest in vertical development. I think it's I think it's one of the fastest growing trends in leadership development today. But vertical development is where it's at for you to be able to create a good life for yourself and your family and your business, your organisation, your community, your you know your world. Um, so I you know really encourage and hope inspire people to take the shift, make the move, um, think about their own realize and realize their own potential to be everything they they could be in the world today. And I want to, to add or build on that, doing similar work, what we know from the research and from our experience is later stage leaders in times of disruption are the most effective. And the fact that there are so few of them, it takes 
both an experienced coach or guide, whether we're called coaches or advisors or consultants or therapists, it takes someone to coach to bring someone into that space who has made that journey. And, and so that's one of the distinctions. And if you're interested, you can verify that your coach is there. You can also test to see where you are and then follow a fairly structured process and the probability of, of moving to the, those levels goes up. So Antoinette, quickly give us how people reach you, find out about your book and your certification and working with you. Terrific. So online, Lily, it's all there. It's www.stageshift.coach, not .com, but stageshift.coach. So online programs for leaders, online programs for coaches to be certified in the process, short courses for those who are just interested to know more about vertical development, and lots of free information and articles for those of you who would like to just, you know, find out more about it. And we will, on our website, in conjunction with this post, be adding you a link to your Integral Leadership Review article. What's the name of your upcoming book? My book, of course, um, Executive Coaching in Strategic Holistic Leadership, The Dynamics and Drivers in Vertical Development. So that'll be coming out mid-year. Thank you. So thank you to our listeners as well for joining us. I trust that this was an inspirational and thought-provoking conversation. I do encourage you to check out Antoinette's work and the work of the researchers, extensive research in the space of vertical development for those of you who are interested. I would love to hear your feedback and also get reviews. Review us on iTunes or iHeartRadio or Spotify. We're available wherever you listen to, to podcasts. Communicate with me directly, either info at innovateleader.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf, or on Facebook, Innovating Leadership. I would love to hear your input. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you listen to us again soon. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.